So um, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to two places, okay? The first one would be uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and just put your finger in there. The other one is Luke chapter <clears throat> 1. And uh, we are in a series here called Women of the Bible, <clears throat> where we're looking at some of the these great gals that we find in Scripture and how they were used by God to accomplish his will. And it's, uh, it's been fun to think and dream about who are some of the gals that we wanted to choose. Um, I wanted to take the character that Joel talked a little bit about last week when he was talking about Deborah. Uh, he mentioned the gal Jarel. And Jarel was the, the one who took that, you know, tent peg and hammer and hammered it right through Sisera's head, killed him. I thought, wow, that's one bad gal, man. I gotta, <laughs> I like her. And I actually had a whole three-point outline, man, on that. Because you don't know a whole lot about her other than the tent peg and the hammer and the whole, oh, man, that would have been a great action movie, man. I'm telling you. My wife said, no way, you are not doing her. And I said, well, she's one of the great gals in scripture who followed the Lord. I said, she, no, you are not doing her. Um, so I have uh, Mary. The, um, <laughs> talk about extreme opposites. The, the gal who was actually chosen by the Lord to bring the Savior the Messiah, to the to flesh and bones. So we're going we're gonna to look at her. Um, I found an old YouTube clip. It's been around a long, long time. Some of you probably have never seen this before. But it's uh, an interview that was done with Mary and Dr. Luke. And so Dr. Luke has interviewed Mary about what took place, and I, I want you to check this out. All right. Special, no. If anything, I was very uh, ordinary. Just a normal teenage girl from Nazareth, a backwater town. <laughs> People would joke, can anything good come from there? <laughs> can you imagine? Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, God's messenger, the same Gabriel who gave the prophet Daniel prophecy about the anointed one, is telling me, I am going to carry Messiah in my womb. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It was terrible <laughs> and uh, wonderful and glorious and frightening all at the same time. I had to, to pinch myself to see, is this really happening? I 
I began to treasure these things in my heart. Like a, a little pebble I could put in my pocket and I could pull it out to see this was really real. I had so many questions. I was a virgin. I had never been with a man. And, and Gabriel is telling me that the Holy Spirit will come upon me. The Ruach of Elohim who hovered over the waters of the deep at the creation of the universe. Can you imagine? My family, they did not have an angel speaking to them. And Joseph, what will they say? I don't know. But I know, I know what I know. And I am the Lord's servant. Gabriel had said, nothing is impossible with God. And I remember Daniel. Daniel obeyed. Daniel faced the lion's den. And I will obey. I will accept that God, for whatever reason, master creator of the universe has chosen me from the foundation to carry his son. Imagine. So I cling, I cling to the words, nothing is impossible with God. It's like another pebble in my pocket. And, uh, and I know, no matter what, the Lord is with me. The Lord, whatever I face with my family or my beloved Joseph, he will be with me. He will make a way. And that is my story. That's pretty good, huh? It's Robin Bjorke. She's been a part of our church family for a long, long time. I, I when I saw that, I thought, I'm not sure I need to do anything. She all helped us maybe think through what it must have been like for that young gal named Mary who was probably 12 or 13 years old when that all happened. But being a preacher, I thought I'd give it a shot, say a few things anyway. There's a quote that most of you know, it goes like this. Courage is not the absence of fear. 
courage is doing the thing that scares you in spite of your fear. You've probably all heard that in one form or another. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is you're afraid, but, but, but you do it anyway. I've talked with many um, firemen who are in our church, and when they roll out to a fire and they show up at a burning building or a burning house, they're afraid. Who wouldn't be afraid of running into a building that's on fire? But they do it anyway. They get over the fear and they run into the burning building anyway. My son-in-law is a Modesto police officer. He's a SWAT officer and he, he likes action. He, he likes to be on a particular part of our city where there just tends to be more action. And, uh, and I've talked with many police officers over the years here and you know, you pull a car over, you're afraid. You don't know what's in that car at that moment. You don't know. But you get out of your squad car any way you look at it and make your way up to the door. You do it anyway. That's courage. I've talked with soldiers who have come back from, you know, Afghanistan or wherever. I've, I've talked with some who, you know, were in Vietnam and whatever. And you know what? There's fear when bullets and stuff are flying over your head. And, you know, there's booby traps out there. And there's mines that can, you know, blow up a steel Humvee. And you're out there running around. And yet they, they, they do it. In spite of the fact that they're, they're scared. And as I thought about that, I, I was thinking about um, our walk with the Lord, those of us that know him. There are times when it can be scary, especially in the culture we live in now. It's not like it was you know, 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe even five years ago. I mean, it's amazing how this culture has just changed. And it can be, it can be scary to be somebody who says, I'm a follower of the Lord. But courage is, is we live out our faith anyway. I get it, it can, it can be scary at times. In all the years that I've been here at Big Valley, uh, started out doing young people, youth, and men's, and started Saturday night, and you know, there, there hasn't been one time when I haven't been scared out of my wits when I walk up here to do this. I get a sheet of paper, it looks like this. It's changed over the years, the format and stuff. 
But I know, I'm coming up, I'm up after the song, Available. Now, I don't get nervous coming up here and saying hi, fill out your Connect card, here's what's going on. I got over that a long time ago. I, I, that, that doesn't make me nervous. But when you walk up to unpack the Word of God, let me tell you, I'm, I, I'm scared. There's a lot of fear that runs through me. The scriptures tell us that not many of you should become teachers of the word because teachers of the word are gonna incur a stricter judgment. Doesn't mean we won't go to heaven, but there is a stricter judgment on those that teach the word of God. You see, I don't speak for God. He's already spoken. All God wants me to do is make sure I represent him correctly. And that's, that's the stricter judgment. Don't, don't misrepresent me to the people. And let me just tell you, I'm human. Yeah, the song's almost over. And man, oh man, my adrenal glands start firing and just get nervous and man, God, is there anything else you want me to do? <laughs> but you walk out here anyway, and you get over it. And I share that because you don't have to be a policeman or a fireman or a soldier. You can be a, you know, somebody who follows the Lord, and as it relates to just serving him, you can be afraid. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people, you know, they, they're a part of the church family, they belong here at Big Valley Grace, but they never get involved. They never serve anywhere because they're afraid. Well, I'm, I'm just not as talented as that guy in the drum cage. I, I just can't tickle the ivories as good as that guy can. Or, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'd be any good mentoring teenagers. Or, you know, what if I'm holding a baby and I fumble it? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Whatever's running through their minds. But, and, and so they come and they enjoy the fellowship and they enjoy all the stuff. And yet they never get involved. And the reason why is they're fearful. They're afraid. And I can't fix normal. Being afraid is normal. I can't fix that. But what I hope happens as we kind of maybe walk through a little bit of Mary's life, um, you'll be encouraged to go, you know what, even though I'm afraid, I'm going to take a step. I, I'm, uh, count me in. Because you... We could always use another drummer. We could always use another, uh, you know, piano player. We could always use another trombone player. We could always use another singer. We, we, we could always use another technician. Uh, we could always use another camera person. We could always use another person to hold babies or mentor a third-grade girl or boy or, or mentor teenagers or whatever it is. We do a pretty good job of making it look like, man, everything's going great here. And you know what? For the most part, it is. But we could use you 
maybe get over your fear and go, okay, count me in. I want to be a part of what's happening here at Big Valley Grace. I want to use my gifts, my talents, my abilities, because it's not about how good looking you are. It's not about how charismatic you are. It's not about what your educational background is. It's not about where you live in our city, locationally. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, it's a familiar, familiar verse for a lot of us, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And that's a piece of information that's really, really important. Though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still true today. The Lord looks beyond whatever your clothing is that you have on. The Lord looks beyond your makeup. The Lord looks beyond all the outward stuff. And he can look at your heart. And as he kind of, his eyes go over, you know, this congregation here this morning. He's just looking for somebody. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for somebody whose heart is totally his. And when he finds that person, he does the miraculous. He kind of locks on. He's like a heat-seeking missile, you know. And there's the guy. There's the gal. Watch what I do with that guy. Watch what I do with that gal. I'll empower them. I'll do something amazing in and through them. As I said, it's not about what your education is. It's not about how tall or short you are. It's not about how young or old you are. It's not about how good looking or charismatic you are. It's all about this. And when God sees this, somebody who's sold out, wow, whew, now you have his power working in your life. Think about it. Why, why, why did God choose Mary? <laughs> you got these 39 books in the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Malachi. And basically from Genesis chapter 3 on, the whole story of the Old Testament is God's going to send a Messiah. God's going to send the Savior. Literally, I, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, you pick the prophet. Hey, God is going to send the Messiah. God is going to send the, 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 the Savior. Then God goes silent for 400 years, basically, after, you know, the book of Malachi. He doesn't say a word. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, and today in the town of David, right, a Savior has been born for you. For thousands of years, all of the Old Testament prophets and, you know, all said the Messiah's coming, the Savior's coming, and now you get to the New Testament and the Savior's come. And the 27 books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the birth of the church and Acts, all the way through Revelation is all about the fact that the, that the Savior came, the Messiah came, and we know his name. His name was Jesus. And out of all the Jewish women that God could have chosen, he picks Mary. An angel after 400 years breaks the silence and tells a gal by the name of Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby the old-fashioned way, and he's going to be the forerunner. That was John the Baptist. 
And then it was a few months later, that same angel shows up to a young gal by the name of Mary. And says, Mary, oh man, remember all those Old Testament prophecies and prophets and uh, the Messiah's coming? You're it. I give you goosebumps. Why Mary? It wasn't because of her education, because she didn't have any. It wasn't because of her wealth, because you couldn't even say she was poor. Whatever, whatever's under poor, that's what she was. It wasn't because she was a mature woman, because she wasn't. She's was just a kid. She could have been in our junior high ministry right now. They got through. She didn't own her own home. She didn't own her own car or, you know, camel or whatever. I mean, she had nothing. She was, she, she was a simple peasant girl. But when God's eyes moved throughout the land 2,000 years ago, he stopped on that young lady. Wow. And so let me give you just three things here real quickly about her. And these are things that Robin shared and and you find, especially in Luke chapter one, okay? So everybody turned to Luke chapter one, and this is where you kind of find the, this story of um, Mary. As I said, an angel shows up and says, Mary, God chose you. You're gonna be, you're gonna be the one who brings the Messiah into the world. You're gonna have God's baby. The second person of the Holy Trinity <laughs> is gonna become a man, a human, through you. Wow. And she asks a clarifying question. How's this gonna happen? I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never, I've never been with a man. Well, the third person of the Holy Trinity is gonna come upon you, the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And that's what's gonna make this baby unique over all other babies. Is that the Messiah, the Savior, will not have a human egg and a human sperm. Because if it has a human egg and a human sperm, when that baby comes out, it's sinful. 
And that blood can't cleanse anybody of their sin. So the virgin birth is absolutely critical to our faith. And she says, well, you know, her response is unbelievable. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then the angel says, hey, Mary, don't forget. Nothing is impossible with God. I know this sounds crazy and weird and how does this work? And this must seem, just remember. And as I loved what Robin said, I, I was a pebble, a little pebble I put in my pocket. I reach in, oh yeah, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. So let me give you three things, just real quick. Why, why did God choose Mary? Well, she was willing to sell out or submit to God's will for her life. And God saw that. In verse 38 of Luke chapter one, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She's, what? There's somebody who is sold out to God, sold out to God's will, as crazy and weird and whatever other word you wanna, you know, descriptive word you wanna use to talk about this moment, she said, hey, if that's God's will, I'm in. I'm in. And God saw that in her life. Man, that, that, is, that is one of the most amazing statements. And I think a lot of people get a, a little scared. They're fearful of God's will. And so they try to maybe stay under the radar a little bit. You know, I'm a believer, I go to church, and, but man, you know, I really don't want to know what God's will is for my life because what if it's a bummer? You know, what if, what if God wants to, you know, send me to Zimbabwe? I mean, obviously God sent some people to Zimbabwe. Or what if God wants me to do this? Or what if God wants me to, and so they, man, I, I don't really want to know what it is. And I, I, I just want to share with you this, those of you that are a little fearful of the Lord's will, okay? Paul gave us some, some information. He says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And here, here it is. God's will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Now those aren't very specific things, but we're told something about the will of God here. And the first thing it says is that God's will is good. It's good for your life. So those of you that might be out here or maybe you're watching online and you're a little fearful of God's will, God wants you to know his will for your life is good. It's not evil or crummy or bad or whatever. It's, it's good. And then he goes on and says, God's will is it's pleasing. In other words, it's... 
When it's all said and done, you're satisfied with it. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, you know, you go, wow, the world may hate me. Everybody can think I'm weird or whatever, but man, there is a satisfaction knowing that you're right in the middle of God's will. You'll sense it. So his will is good, but it's also pleasing. There's nothing that's more satisfying than knowing at the end of the day you've simply done the will of the Lord as best you knew it. Now that doesn't mean other people are gonna get it. God's will for your life may not please your parents. God's will for your life may not, you know, please your kids. God's will for your life may not please whoever. But as long as you're doing your best to follow the Lord's will, let me tell you something. Just sleep great at night. And maybe more importantly, you'll get to the end of your life and go, wow, man, I got no regrets. Just, I just did my best to follow the Lord. But then he says, the last one is God's will is perfect. God's will is tailor-made just for you. It's good, it's pleasing, and his will for you is absolutely perfect for, for you. God's will for your life isn't perfect for me. God's will for my life isn't perfect for you. you. You can have opinions about God's will for me, and I can have opinions about God's will for you. But let me just tell you, it's absolutely perfect. It's tailor-made. And sometimes you, you, you find out things just by trying them. I, I've told you, you know, I can't even tell you a thousand times here, I, I, knew, I knew when I gave my life to the Lord decades ago here at Big Valley Grace, we weren't even on this campus. I, I, I knew I was just a lost soul. I understood sin. I understood the implications of it. I understood just how devastating sin was and how it messed up my relationship with God and there was nothing I could do to fix the problem, nothing. But God loved me deeply. I was made in his image and he proved he loved me when he sent his son to die for me on a cross and I didn't even believe in him. And that simply by putting my trust in him, wow, the blood that he shed at Calvary cleansed me of my sin. Wow. I, I knew, look, I, I gotta do something. And I could see people in the church doing things. They were serving. I didn't understand a thing. And of course, the most visible group were, was the choir. And I became friends with the choir director. His name was Daryl Cummings and... I just, I, that was the only place I thought you served because that's, they did everything. I mean, they were the ones that were doing everything. And so, I don't know. Let me, you know, 
And, and Daryl was in, in the kindest way he could, you know, said, no, this is not God's, this is not God's will for you. Uh, but it is God's will to do something. And, you know, I went in and worked with children, you know, and, and hated that. <laughs> and then at some moment, I don't even know how it happened, I end up working with junior hires and kind of found my, found my way. And I knew. I knew. This. It's God's will for my life. I knew it. Now, I didn't know I was going to you know, quit my job and go to work. At the time. I had none of, that was never in there. I just knew I, this is where I was supposed to do it. And then there came moments in life, new chapters in life, where I knew it wasn't God's will to do that anymore. I just, I just knew it. I could have kept doing it. But that wouldn't have been fair to God. It wouldn't have been fair to the kids. It wouldn't have been fair to parents. It wouldn't have been fair to the lost in our city. And you just, you go, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can do this anymore. And you just, you have these chapters in your life where you just kind of go, you know, I just, I kind of sense I'm done with this piece. And man, I sure had a lot of people tell me, man, don't, don't leave youth ministry. Don't, don't do that. And these were good people who loved me deeply. Look, God's will for your life is good. It's good. It's pleasing. When you go to bed at night, you'll go, wow, this is great. And it's tailor-made just for you. I say all that because I want you to pull a Mary here. I want you to sell out. I want you to say, you know what, God, here I am. I want you to use me. Now, I know a lot of you, especially in this group, group here, you're, you're serving. I've watched you serve literally my whole Christian life. Some of you in this room. Well, there were some people last night, too, and I'm sure there'll be people at 11 o'clock. But especially in this room here, man, I've seen some of you literally, literally since the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I've watched you serve somewhere. You've been an incredible example to me and to our whole church family as to how we're to live our lives. I've seen you. You've, you've sold out to Jesus. You serve. But I know there's one or two or eight of you in here. Maybe there's a bunch of you watching online. And, and you know what? I know that it is God's will for you to fellowship with other people. But there you sit in your home. And you're scared to come down to a church. I'm glad you're watching. But maybe this is the moment where you say, you know what? I know it's God's will. And it's good. And it's pleasing and it's perfect. You see, 
God uses people who want to be used. Just kind of keep that in your mind. If you really want to be used, you sell out to God, he'll use you. Here's the second thing. Um, Mary was willing to pay a pretty high price to follow God and his will. Most of the time it costs you something. You want to be a follower of the Lord, you know, even Jesus said, hey, listen, you got to count the cost. I mean, it's going to cost you something. You've got to be willing to take up your cross, right? Today, if you were to say that today in a modern day sense, he would say, um, you need to take up your gas chamber. You need to take up the electric chair. In other words, are you willing to die? The cross was how the Romans killed people. That was their, that was their method of uh, capital punishment. Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? Great, great. You, you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to literally risk your life? Boo. Mary was. She was willing to pay a high price. I'll tell you two things it cost her. One, it cost her her reputation, right? Hey, if she would have lived in this era with, uh, you know, Instagram and uh, Facebook and TikTok and all those things, <laughs> hey, did you hear about Mary? She's having God's baby. Imagine what would have happened. Well, guess what? It still happened. I'm sure there was a month or two where she knew she was pregnant, but she wasn't showing. And then all of a sudden, you know, things start happening, and, and now everybody's seeing it. Imagine what you went through. Tell you, that's, I'll bet you it was pretty brutal. We don't really know, but we know enough about people, right? That had to be really horrible. But she was willing to risk her reputation. And God knew this. When God saw her, God knew, that, that's a gal who sold out to me and she's willing to pay the, the price. The other thing was she was, cost her her comfort. Man, this baby had to be born in Bethlehem. She's in Nazareth. That's about a 90-mile trip. There's no Amtrak, Uber, you know, cars, taxis, trains. There's none of that. So she's basically riding on a camel maybe or walking. How uncomfortable is that? Then you finally get to Bethlehem and the place is all jammed up full of people and you can't even get a room anywhere and you're, you're given birth in a you know, barn or a cave or whatever that manger thing was. Most people think it was probably a cave. You know. Wow. I got God's baby and I got to go all the way to Bethlehem I got God's baby, and I got to give birth in a, you know, in a crummy 
place. And then, the, you know, it wasn't long after that that, man, the federal government, if you will, is coming after her, her baby. And now she's got to get up and get out of there and head down into Egypt. I mean, this was not a comfortable gig. But she was, didn't matter to her because she sold out to God and his will. I think one of the things that always, always gets to me, or, or I think one of the reasons why I, I think people aren't willing to go, hey, I want to serve, is they're, they're just chasing after other things. I've told you the story of, uh, I used to live on veranda, and my daughter was, I don't know, maybe eight. Nah, she was probably a little younger than that. And the neighbor, she was over at a next door neighbor's house, and they had some bubbles, and they were blowing bubbles. Though. And I was watching my daughter run, and she'd grab a hold of one of the bubbles, and then she'd run back, Daddy, 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 and she'd open her hand, and there was nothing there. And, you know, the neighbor would blow more bubbles, and she'd run, and she'd grab a bubble, Daddy, 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 look, I got a bubble, nothing there. And this happened for a while, and I thought, this is, this is hilarious. And, and then I thought, you know, Unfortunately, I think that's a lot of believers. That's what they do. They chase after bubbles. They chase after these things and they grab them and they hold on to them. And in some moment, a year or five years or 10 years, or at the end of their lives, they open their hands and go, I got nothing. Oh, you got a lot of money near 403B or 401K or yeah, you got a house or six. You know, you got some cars. You got, you got whatever all that is that you've been running around chasing after. But really, what do you got? What do you got? I can't tell you how many times I hear, hey, you know, Pastor Rick, man, as soon as I get my business going, I'm gonna serve. As soon as I get this, man, I'm, I'm, you count me in. And I'm not saying you, sh you shouldn't work hard. God wants us to work hard. God worked. He wants us to work. Nothing wrong with working hard. Nothing wrong with putting some money in the bank. Nothing wrong with having a nice home. Nothing wrong with having a nice car. And I, I got a nice car. I got a nice house. I got a nice boss. Watch. I, nothing wrong with that. But man, we can get to the place where, you know what? It just, it just ain't enough. It just ain't enough. And we chase these bubbles and I think the hardest commandment of the great 10 for us, especially as Americans, to really grasp a hold of is number 10. God says, don't covet. Don't covet. Be content with what you have. And that is something very difficult in our culture. The, you know, Companies spend millions and millions of dollars to figure you out psychologically. And then they craft ads 
that they put on TV and the radio and across your Facebook feed, and they know exactly what to say and how to say it so that you go, oh, oh man, I, I, I got to have that. Oh, man, I want to, oh. <sighs> One of the things that maybe you've never thought about is this. You know the colors of about 95% of all fast food restaurants? You know what the colors are? Orange, yellow, and red. Think of it, Denny's, McDonald's, Burger King, you name it. They're red, yellow, and orange. So that when you're driving down the road, you know what happens? They know those colors trigger things in your brain that make you hungry. It's not a coincidence that they all have the same colors. And so when they put an ad on TV that says, hey, listen, man, don't you need this? You go, yeah, man, I, I do. I, I really need it, ShamWow. I, I need that thing. And it's just a rag. That's all it is. And you spent $29.95 on a, on a thing that you got 40 of them sitting in your garage. Oh, man, I need something that I can throw in the pool and literally it'll suck all the water up in my pool. <laughs> man, who doesn't need one of those things that you put a tomato in and you whoop, and it chops it into things this small in one swoop? And they know how to, they know how to, and by the way, there's just four easy payments. Right? It's just four easy payments. Anybody here made an easy payment? Anybody? Is, is there ever been one easy payment? Forget four easy payments. And then you, you got these four easy payments, and you got these six easy payments, and then you got these 19, and then you got a 30-year easy payment your house, and then you got a five-year easy payment on your car, and then you got a and now you got a mess on your hands. Number 10, being satisfied with what you have and not just chasing all the stuff, and you're able to say, man, what can I do? What can I do for you, Lord? I'm sold out. I'm willing, I'm willing to give up my reputation. I'm willing to do whatever I got to do, God, to be used by you in some incredible way, your will my life. And last but not least, Mary was willing to trust God. And this, this is, these are all kind of tied together. You gotta, you gotta be able to go, man, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna trust the Lord in this moment. And the angel gives Mary that reassuring statement, hey, Mary, all things, you know, are, are possible or nothing is impossible, Mary, nothing Nothing, there, 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 there's just nothing that's impossible, Mary. And when you sell out to the, the Lord and you're willing to pay whatever the cost is and you'll trust him, I just want you to know, God will do some incredible things through your life. It, it may not always be super comfortable, especially when you're paying some sort of price. Man, let me just tell you, when it's all said and done, life is way more than just, hey, I gave my life to Christ and I found a nice comfy church with people I like. But man, may, may this be a moment in our church's history where maybe a, 
one or two or seven or 10 of you go, you know what, it's time for me to get over my fear and I am going to sell out to God. I'm gonna pay whatever the price is. I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna go talk to the children's workers and say, I'm here to help. Or I'm gonna go talk with Chad and say, you know what, I'll, I'll help run a camera or help run the jumbotrons or you know what, I can drum. I may not be as good as that guy can drum, but I'm willing to help out. Hey, 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 I'm willing to, you know, mentor a group of teenage boys. Hey, I'll lead a table of guys uh, at our men's ministry. You know what? I, I don't know. I've walked with God a long time, and I, I know a lot about the scriptures. And so, you know, women's ministries, if you need me to do something, you count me in. I'm here to help. And it's going to be scary. There's no doubt about it. But I believe God will give you the courage to get over the fear to do whatever it is that he has, he's called you to do. So with that, why don't you stand and let me, uh, let me pray for us, okay? So Lord, uh, man, I love, love, love the music we sing here. So uplifting and encouraging and it just does something for for me and my spirit so I'm thankful for the team that led music last night the team that's here right now leading our music I'm thankful God for all of the servants that are holding babies and all of that right now so that folks can come in here and just focus on you for a while Lord I am thankful, Jesus, as I have been all week, as I've thought about the literally hundreds of people that I have watched since my first day as a believer serve you. And they have done it for free. This was not their job, it wasn't their vocation, it was just simply your will for their life and they've just put countless hours and hours and hours in. I think about those that served in the youth ministry with me that literally would, would take weeks off from work and not get paid to go on tr camping trips or retreats or, or, or summer camps or Mexico trips. This church has been filled with people that got over their fears and were willing to pay a huge price in so many ways and my life and others have been so enriched by them. And now, God, I believe that you're working in the lives of one or two people here right now. And right now, God, they know it's my turn to get involved. And I look forward to um, hearing some of the stories that might come from today, maybe this week. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Give us a, a, a great, great afternoon, and I pray this in your name. Amen.